Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy. TheHearingConsultancy.ie Welcome to Health and Fitness this week. We've got a great show to look forward to. Did you know that running around a bouncy castle on the water is classed as a sport? Imagine Takeshi's Castle on the water. You're going to hear from a world record-breaking Midlands Bay Sports Park. Athlone Cricket Club are in studio with me as well after they won the biggest match in their history last weekend. And this week we marked World MS Day. I'm speaking to MS Ireland very shortly about where diagnosis, treatment and support is at with multiple sclerosis in this country and in the Midlands. It's all coming up this evening on Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. Welcome to the programme this week. We've got loads uh, to get into. Uh, If you're catching us on the radio and you're out and about, you mightn't get the whole show. Remember, you can podcast it uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Beyond that, as I said, we've got loads to look forward to this evening. And starting off uh, with World MS Day took place uh, this week. And I'm very glad to say that uh, Mary Leonard of... Uh, the MS Society of Ireland and Linda Keller uh, joins me in studio this evening. Uh, Mary and Linda, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you, David. Thanks for thank having you. us. Now, uh, Mary, your role uh, with MS yeah. Ireland, you yeah. can tell me about that first, maybe. Yeah, OK. Well, my title is community worker. Uh, and okay. that, I suppose, has has a lot of, of uh, different jobs attached to that. So my main role, I suppose, really is meeting people with MS. And that's very often at the time that they get diagnosed uh, and providing information and support at that point, but also providing support and information to health professionals. And we also have a network of voluntary branches around the country. So it's supporting branches as well. But mainly, I suppose, my main uh, priority would be meeting people with MS, especially around the time of diagnosis, when people have a lot of issues, perhaps questions and concerns. So I try to deal with those as best as, as best I can. In your work, yeah. then, can you tell me, by the sounds of it, the level of understanding and information that's out there, is is it apparent then when somebody does get a diagnosis that uh, generally as a population we're underinformed about MS? Yeah. I think that that's the case. I think some study suggested recently that about 46 percent of people probably wouldn't be aware of MS and uh, and its implications, David. But I suppose in fairness, it's the same with any condition, you know, unless it comes to our own door. Generally speaking, we're not informed about it and we don't go out seeking information about it. So I suppose this week in particular has been great then because uh, it's an opportunity to raise awareness Mm. and uh, education about MS uh, within the general population. Exactly. And it's why I'm delighted that both of you are here this evening, because it's our opportunity to do that this week on health and fitness. And um, you might tell us about the kinds of events uh, that have been happening across the Midlands or around the country and the kinds of uh, ways in which Mm -hmm. MS Ireland are um, Mm -hmm. helping bring up that level of information. Yeah. Okay. Well, there was a number, I suppose, of big events and the main ones really would be every year uh, there is an annual coffee morning as such. That's the title of it in the MS Care Centre, which is the only respite facility for specifically for people with MS and other neurological conditions. Okay. And that's actually in Dublin, in Rathgar. So they host uh, a coffee event uh, every World MS Day. 
uh, and that gets lots of publicity. And I understand this year uh, that Marty Morrissey graced them with his presence also. He's so, a graceful character. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he probably drew followers in there as well, you know, which is great. And uh, then a delegation from MS Ireland went to the uh, Leinster House and that had a dual purpose, really, I suppose, primarily because uh, they wanted to raise awareness about MS amongst the, the, the members of the Oireachtas and also to raise awareness about the issues for people with MS and, and to give uh, the pre-budget submission as well on the issues that MS Ireland want uh, attended to, I suppose, and, and wanted to highlight Very good. in that. And then there was some of the heritage sites around the country and in Dublin were, were uh, lit in red for the, on the night of uh, World MS Day. And the, in TCD every year, uh, they have um, an annual lecture as such. It's the information event which is associated with World MS Day. Okay. And uh, the, that always draws good attendance as well. And uh, this year it was a neuro, a neurologist from St. James's Hospital and an OT, an occupational therapist from St. James's Hospital, talking about MS and the, the issues involved with that. Comprehensive. Thank it you. Com- and then, of course, lots of webinars and lots yeah. of the branches and volunteers around the country would have held coffee events and maybe little fun things as well. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. lots of lo- it got the, it got lots of attention this year. Yeah, definitely. Very Did you notice that maybe year. the 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 profile that the 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 week itself got was maybe even a little higher than previous years? Then? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, to get to get an opportunity like this, you know, to to uh, get to talk to yourself, David, and and put awareness out there, I suppose, about MS. I yeah. think it's a funny one. I think it's something that. A lot of people, a lot of people know people who have it or it like it's closer to people than I think we generally realize yes. I- in our yeah. lives. And yeah. at this point, I want to bring Linda Keller in. Um, Linda, from your perspective, you're part of the community uh, of those people in this country yeah. who have multiple sclerosis. Yeah. Um, and Mary talked about the experience of getting a diagnosis and how part of her role is to talk people through yeah, that, that, that that initial moment. Yeah, that's how were. I first met Mary was when I was first diagnosed. She was one of the first people who helped me. OK, so um, you were you were she was there when you were finding yeah, out about when this. I was diagnosed, I didn't have a clue what MS was. I didn't know I didn't know what was happening with me, really. But then when I got a diagnosis, I did, as you, everyone does, a bit of Googling. Yeah. And I got in contact then I think it was I think it was MS Ireland and they put me on to the branch in Portleash and then Mary met with me and welcomed me into the group Okay um, and and I want to get into what it's like to, to live with the condition in this country and, and all of that type of thing but the first point I kind of wanted to touch on here is since since it, we're celebrating World MS Day yes. a little bit after it admittedly yeah, but in okay. the same week thank you you'll <laughs> let us off much appreciated <laughs> uh, it's a long weekend um, so what I wanted to ask you as a first question really is what's it like being part of the community? It sounds like it's a supportive environment. It's very supportive, yeah. Um, the branch in Portlaoise are very supportive. Like I remember first the first night walking in there being absolutely terrified. Yeah, I was I'd like, I'm so. going to walk into this room and I don't know any of these people but everyone was just so nice and I've gone to so many meetups since and fundraisers and it's just, it's really nice to have them and I think for me it was more I needed to see other people who had MS and yeah. meet other people who had MS because I didn't know anybody. 
Um, like you already said, like I've heard heard of MS, but didn't know what it was or didn't know somebody with it. Yeah. So it was nice to just see that there's other people out there like me. It's it's remarkable, isn't it? Especially when you're feeling vulnerable about something, you yeah. meet someone else who's in the yeah. same position. And it was more, I suppose, my first feelings was just being so scared. Really? I was terrified. I like I was 24. Okay. Um, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, I had just been feeling kind of I wasn't feeling well for a few days and I just had this numb tingling kind of feeling all down my left side and I kept just thinking oh maybe I slept funny or maybe it's just maybe something like I worked in a crash at the time so I was like maybe I caught some viral infection or something Yeah. but um, I always remember the day I went into hospital because it was it was National Fish and Chip Day Right. and I was home with my family we were eating fish <laughs> and chips and then I couldn't lift the fork to my mouth it just fully went like dead on that side so my mum just said she's like I have enough of this and put me in the car and we went to the doctor and then I ended up in hospital for a few days and they weren't too sure at first but then I did got an MRI and then the MRI came back saying that I had multiple sclerosis okay. um, from there then I was referred to Tala yeah. and they saw me and did a few more scans and I had to get a lumbar puncture and a couple of things like that done and then I went on treatment Okay. Um, up there. The Lombard um, puncture is no crack at all. No crack at all. That no, was, that no, was no scary. pun intended either. Like, um, um, to just, just describe <laughs> to our listeners uh, and anyone who's slightly squeamish, there's your heads up. Uh, yeah. What is what is that? So it's basically you sit up on the edge of a bed and you lean forward, and they put an injection, an anaesthetic into your back, mm. and then they drain fluid from your lungs. How big is the thing they used I to drain? I don't know. I didn't look. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the day getting it done. I had two really, really nice nurses because I was so terrified. Like when this was the first time I ever stayed in a hospital. Mm. Like really? Yeah. When this and you're was, in your like mid to early twenties. Twenty four. Yeah. yeah. I had never stayed overnight, so that was. I was like, I don't want to stay in this no. place. <laughs> never mind going through all this. But yeah, I just remember I had two really, really nice ladies and they just held both my hands like this and just held me forward. I think that's great, isn't it? Like they got it over with. The health service gets a lot of uh, negative press because of maybe how it's delivered politically and and structurally. They are under pressure. But doctors and nurses in this country, when you are in a position like you're in psychologically and emotionally, the world class. I've had some lovely people Um, and my team in Tala are absolutely lovely. I have a lovely nurse up there who's always just at like the end of the phone or an email with any sort of question. That's brilliant. Okay, you guys are going to stay with us for a little bit. We're going to take a breather and then we'll be back. Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods with the Hearing Consultancy. Carrying out free hearing tests in Clara, Tullamore, Kinnegad and in our latest clinic at Mullingar Dental Clinic, Martins Lane, Mullingar. Thehearingconsultancy.ie When you get a diagnosis and you weren't expecting it. I think it can take the wind out of your sails. And when it comes to something like multiple sclerosis, there's an understanding there of what it is to a certain degree. But what happens to you when you have it and what you can and can't do um, can all be rather unclear and therefore quite scary when you're approaching it for the first time conceptually. Uh, Linda Keller's in studio with Mary Leonard. Uh, Linda is part of the multiple sclerosis community in Ireland. Mary Leonard uh, represents uh, the Midlands for uh, MS Ireland. And um, I'm very glad to say we're going to um, talk through some of, I think, the more positive sides of 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 what we're talking about this evening. Uh, Linda, 
when we left the conversation a few minutes ago, you talked us through getting your diagnosis yeah. and the kind of um, scary experience going through those initial few days in the hospital, the lumbar puncture and all of that yeah. type of thing. Um, I, I'd say it's natural from from your mindset at the time you were thinking, I'm not going to be able to do the things I want to and achieve the things I want the yeah. way, way I had planned and expected. But I was kind of waiting for my whole life to be turned upside down. Okay. Um, but I remember my biggest worry at the time, because it probably sounds a bit silly, but I was to go interrailing across Europe four weeks after I was diagnosed. Yeah. And I was going for four to five weeks. Yeah. To go trekking across Europe on trains and seeing all the cities. Um, obviously, I was advised not to go, but me being me, decided to not do what I was told. So, well, I half did what I was told. I cut it down to two and a half weeks. Right. But I still went. I just, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. So I just got myself through the few weeks and I went on then and I went, I think I did five countries in two and a half weeks. My God, where did you go? I went to Denmark, Amsterdam. I went to Paris, Germany and Austria. They were the... Brilliant, some class yeah. cities there. And I imagine you reflect on that yeah. with, with the whole mad, heady mix yeah. of what now you I went through. With, with did come home half kind dead. Of mind-blowing, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't probably the better, but I, I am delighted I did it. Um, but yeah, I was, there was a few days where I wasn't feeling the best and stuff, but I just was like, it's, I just decided then it wasn't taking over my life. Yeah. That I was going to do the things I wanted to do. And I went on and did my interrail and then I came back and kind of decided, right, I need to accept this now and go to my appointments and get on treatment and do the bits that I should have been doing a few weeks beforehand. Well, you know, I think in fairness, a few weeks in the grand scheme of things was a really good idea yeah. for yourself in that it's respect. It's a great distraction, I think. When I look back now, I'm like, I'm like, I really shouldn't have done that. I probably should have done what I was told. But now I'm like, do you know what? It was an experience. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it does go to show. And I think it's important to point out that it, you your your life doesn't get upended and turned on no, its head in the, in the way that you might really have been afraid of. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. Um, like, I know I probably thought that seven years ago that this is this is the end. Like, this is terrible. But then after a while, I just I came to terms with it, like, um, and I have a great like friend group. Um, I have a great partner as well, and I find just the support from everyone around me is what probably did help. Brilliant. Um, yeah. And one of those supports, uh, supports of course, was was Mary here in studio with yeah. us. Um, Mary, when you were speaking to Linda, then were you um trying to get that message across to her that whilst this is a life-changing diagnosis to some degree it's it's it, it she's still going to be able to do most if not all the things that she had wanted to yeah absolutely david and it is a very important message that we do get out there uh, we encourage people not to make any major decisions especially maybe for the first year or two because as you say i suppose people are always thinking the worst possible outcome mm. and very likely they wouldn't have known anybody else maybe with ms a lot of people would say that the only person maybe they knew with ms was somebody who was visibly affected mm. maybe using a wheelchair or a walking frame uh, in the community and uh, i would always say look you're probably meeting people with ms every day when you go to work when you go into the shop 
you know, when you go to your dentist or doctor or solicitor uh, and most people are getting on with their lives and are not visibly affected by EMS. So, yeah, I think so it's so important the message that Linda is giving out that not to let EMS really dictate what you may or may not do. You know, people might have to change the pace that they do things at. But uh, in general, most people can get on and do the things that they really want in their lives. Okay, and I think it's a good idea actually to stop on what you said there and just put some detail into what we're talking about. So um, multiple sclerosis can uh, manifest or or present itself in some different ways, can't it? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a, a huge variation really in symptoms and it can vary very much from person to person as well, David. Okay. Uh, and for some people, the initial, uh, I suppose, symptoms might occur and then perhaps they might have no no further symptoms for, for even years. Uh, and a common initial symptom very often might be uh, visual issues, visual problem. And sometimes people won't even go to the GP because it's mild, you know, it's it's not significant enough. Mm. But then often people look back and think, ah, yes, you know, after they've got a diagnosis, they might think, yes, that happened to me three years ago or I had that little episode maybe, you know, some time ago. Uh, and I suppose when people are diagnosed, then they have the symptoms are severe enough uh, to actually bring them to uh, get medical uh, advice and to be referred for uh, to a neurologist. Sure. Uh, and a neurologist is actually the person then who gives the diagnosis. And I just want to mention that in the Midlands, we don't actually have a neurology uh, team or a, neu- a neurological service in the hospitals in the Midlands. So most people in the Midlands would actually have to go to Dublin, to the hospitals in Dublin to actually get their diagnosis and uh, and their advice and their treatment. Um, but to come back to the symptoms, yeah, the symptoms mm. can, can vary and they can come and go. Uh, a lot of people might be diagnosed with what they call relapsing, remitting MS. So there can be periods of time when they have no symptoms and then they can have a relapse. Uh, so we're there as well to ha- perhaps advise people, you know, on how to best look after themselves and in terms of diet and exercise, which is considered very important for MS. And then some people might have progressive MS. But even though there are different forms and people might be diagnosed with a particular form, that can change, you know, over the years as okay. well. So uh, and nowadays, at least there, there are lots of treatments available. Uh, I'm working with MS Ireland for a long number of years, so too long to mention. It's, it's kind of and the treatment landscape yeah. has changed quite a bit Absolutely. over those years. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when there was no treatment other than somebody taken into hospital for steroids uh, and then there was just the injection and that was Mm. there for years and years. And in the last probably 10 or 12 years, even in the last six or seven years, there's a huge, I suppose, explosion of different options in terms of treatments. Uh, so and nowadays, most people are actually encouraged to start on a treatment, even if they, their symptoms are very mild. Okay. Uh, and the treatments is not going to cure. You know, they haven't fa- yet found a cure for MS, but it does help to alleviate relapses if they occur and uh, and perhaps, you know, lengthen the period of time that people, you know, have between relapses. And the rate of development in the treatment is kind of showing it's on a promising trajectory, maybe. Yes, 
Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And there's lots of trials, lots of clinical trials as well taking place. Uh, and I, I would encourage people with MS if, if they have any interest perhaps in being involved in a clinical trial to have that conversation with their neurologist because their neurologist may not consider them if they're not living in Dublin. You know, there might be, mm. um, no neurologist said that once, that he didn't even consider this woman because she was living in County Westmeath, you know, where she was saying, well, I'm very happy to travel, you know, up and down to the hospital um, as necessary. So just to let the neurologists know if that, you're interested okay. in being involved in a clinical trial. It's something yeah. that you think could be very helpful in the bigger Absolutely. picture. Yeah. yeah. And then I wanted yeah. to ask, Linda, from your perspective, you've been given the medical advice. You've you you yeah. you know, uh, you've been told the things that you need to do uh, so that um, you can live your life with your condition, as it were. Yeah. So what what are the kind of things that you need to be cognizant of and aware of and the things you need to do on a day to day or a week to week basis? Um, kind of to be. I've learned to manage it a lot better now. Like, I know my limits now when it comes to doing things. Like, I know if I'm tired, I need to stop. I need to take a break. Okay. Have a rest, even if it's only, like, a 15, 20-minute, like, sit down um, and then go up and go again. I do know, um, I know when to do it now, whereas a couple of years ago, I didn't. Um, trial and error on that one, I'd it, say. It's trial and error, yeah. yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? It's pushing boundaries as well. <laughs> it sounds like you're the kind of person who does that. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> yeah, a little bit. throwing it out So, there. yeah, I'll chance like whatever but um um yeah and then like I'm on treatment since I was diagnosed um and I haven't relapsed in five years now okay so I'm doing really well at the moment what's happening is agreeing with you and your system as things stand yeah and I've done this one I'm on the minute now this is my third treatment to try I was on one at the start it didn't really agree Mm. so I went on to a different one for a couple of years and that worked fine but then I had an MRI there was a new lesion now it was there was like it was a symptom free lesion. They just did a scan. I wasn't unwell or anything, and they just said there's another one. So they popped me on a new treatment, and it seems to be working fine for me. I haven't been been feeling great. Like, well, I think you're a fantastic representative for the community. I <laughs> uh, really appreciate you coming in to talk to us. And a final question I want to give to you, Mary, is you mentioned uh, for the. Uh, week of World MS Day and around it there was many events and one of those was um, uh, that um, representatives from MS Ireland were in the doll and got to make representations for um, support and funding and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. How would you evaluate the mm-hmm. state's interaction with multiple sclerosis in this mm-hmm. country? And, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. there's no neurolo- neurological team in the Midlands. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you call mm-hmm. for as being the of the highest priority? Yeah. Well, there's probably a number of issues really um, that that we we I suppose would like to see improved, David. And one of them would be for people who require home support packages, uh, and I think that's probably right across the country. So, to be honest with you, for people perhaps who do require home support, as in home help or you know uh, personal assistance, uh, that that generally can be very difficult to get, and to get an ad- an adequate package uh, can be a bit of a struggle. Uh, so definitely, I think that that whole area needs to be looked at. Uh, and then also at the moment, because I did mention about the respite centre in Bushy Park in, in Rathgar. Yes. Uh, so because the home care packages, I suppose there is a deficit there, uh, people 
would use respite more frequently. Uh, and again, I suppose, unfortunately, there has been a reduction in the, uh, I suppose, availability of respite services around the country. Uh, so one of the asks that was made um, in Leinster House was for an increase in funding for respite and an increase in funding for Bushy Park for the EMS care centre as well. And the other ask is for uh, exercise and and movement and physiotherapy is very important for people with MS and I'm sure Linda could testify to that. Uh, And MS Ireland uh, are hoping to roll out a national, uh, you know, kind of a nationwide physiotherapy and exercise online programme. Now, a lot of this happened or started with COVID Mm. and, and was proved to be very satisfactory and very popular so they're making representations now to the HSE to be able to provide that, you know, on a kind of an, a, a national basis for people. And it can suit, it doesn't suit everybody online, but it can, for people it does suit, it can suit very well. Uh, and the message, I suppose, is really the importance of exercise and keeping active uh, with MS, which, you know, for whether you're recently diagnosed or, you know, an older person with MS, it's, it's really important even for mental health, as we all know, you know, mm. it's, it's an important aspect. Well, I think that's a great uh, note to end our discussion on, considering um, you guys have come into us on health and fitness, that it's that physical activity that no matter what stage you're at in your life in relation to MS, it's mm. a good it's a good idea. Okay, Uh, Mary Leonard Leonard Mm -hmm. of uh, MS Ireland in the Midlands and Linda Keller from Killy. I thank you both for coming into us today. Thank Thank you very much, David. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood with the Hearing Consultancy. Book a free hearing test at one of our clinics in Clara, Kinnegad, Mullingar or Tullamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus help and more. Coming soon to Eden Dairy, thehearingconsultancy.ie. Midlands 103. Yes, indeed, we're back and he's just absolutely thrown the headphones on on time to present our next segment. I'm very glad to say that uh, Paris and George and Keith, all from Athlone Cricket Club, have uh, joined me and uh, we'll lift the lid. We'll do a bit of uh, taking down the fourth wall here. I was just getting surnames. Uh, Paris Setia, am I right in saying that, Paris? Yes, indeed. Looking in the correct direction, finally. And uh, George. George, yeah, George Gibraj. Gibraj. Yeah. Very good, George. Um, And Keith Brennan. Yeah. Very good. Guys, um, tell us, I suppose, the main reason you guys are in with us this evening is Athlone Cricket Club had a watershed moment uh, last weekend. Um, I understand that Paris and George, you guys were on the field of play um, in the National Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell us then, George, um, what the game was, why it was so important for Athlone Cricket. Uh, see, uh, this is a very big stage for us, first of all. Yeah, we are a growing club, okay. Athlone Cricket Club. You know, uh, before the week, uh, we went for the, to the Derry to play the actual match for the National Cup. But due to the rain, the match got called off. Ah. Okay, yeah. so the match was rescheduled and it was playing to our home ground sure. from the Athlone. So it's a very uh, historical moment for us. It's a very big game and a big view from every point of view, right? Then apart from that, the very short notice, just a week was going on. We need to make it massive ready, like with international standard. You needed big changes. I was was talking to Keith about this during the week and um, the the, the National Cup requires a certain certain standard. Exactly. Um, So tell us about what kind of work had to happen. 
see, uh, especially I need to say uh, is uh, our president Peter and our club manager Keith Brennan. They put lot of efforts to bring all those things in a quick piece of time. Within the weeks, it's like a for me, it's like a magical thing. If you need to see the ground, it's a lovely, lovely atmosphere for us. It's a lovely atmosphere to us to play the game. But the big notice, we are in the winning side. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. What unbelievable. was the final score? The final score is uh, they scored around uh, 190 all out. Yeah, around 190 all out. We are need to win like 191 to reach the target, but we have done very easily. Yeah, we okay. have. Yeah, you had have some a, wickets to spare. Yeah, five five wickets, five wickets and, in spare. Uh, nearly 50 balls. Yeah. Oh wow, that but, must yeah. have been really nice then, nice Paris, uh, to watch the team knowing that th- this looks like we're going to win. Yeah, it's a goosebump moment for us. because Brilliant. it's a very special game and special event at at this platform and must win game for us and the audience was spectacular really? they motivated us a lot during the whole game and we are glad it was astonishing moment for us it's um it, it's great to see the happiness in the studio yeah. this evening yeah. and yeah. you know obviously this game took place uh, sunday uh, yeah. last yes. week yeah. and it's still that 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 the obvious vibrant. joy is yeah. carried Uh, carried through, um, yeah, especially. Um, I think it made a sweet as well as as George was saying. We had a lot of work to get done. It's like we officially didn't have uh, a second side screen, hmm. so we had to put up a. Um, we got the frame made up, which cost eleven hundred euros, and put a temporary sheet on it. You know what I mean? And see the work on, and then we hired out rollers to get the ground as smooth as possible. And even when the umpires turned up, they, they thought we that the surface wouldn't be anywhere near as good. It's like every even we, anything from five to fifteen people out doing the clean up, cleaning. Rolling the pitch, cutting the pitch, putting the markers out. You know what I mean. So uh, there was huge, like Les, Les groundsman Philip, who who, yeah. who wasn't involved with the game as his club member, was out out straight after work. He he's up at five in the morning, getting home for half two, and straight out to the York, spending hours cutting down the long grass. So during the game, big hit ball went into the long grass, whatever. It, it, it was there, then most of the long grass was gone. You know what I mean? So it's a huge effort. At that's notice. that's what uh, that's what community community yeah. is about, community, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And uh, on this program, we do like to try to bring those stories forward. Yeah. And by the sounds of it, um, you've got a great combination here of yeah. kind of like a one-off event because I understand uh, through how Athlone cricket got into the national cup, it won't be the same in the future. Yeah. Um, and a lot of work had to be done just for this to happen. Yeah. So it was, it, Keith, you might be able to tell us. People came together, yeah. and and it was this effort, this club. It was a case of real teamwork to firstly yeah. deliver the match, and then obviously the result. Yeah, it was. It's like the players went out and got sponsorship as well to cover cover the cost or of the game as well. You know what I mean? It says like going back to the side screen is it's not fully finished, mm. and just getting the frame made up was eleven hundred, and we put up a temporary sheet, and that's probably going to cost us maybe another thousand probably to get the sheet covered. But so far, the players have covered the, the went out and got sponsorship. Like, I'm allowed to name a sponsorship on it. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah I, I don't know, but yeah, go okay. for it. Just like like um, series cash, uh, cash and carry gave a, gave a sponsorship, and I don't know how to pronounce. Yeah, Explio. Explio gave us a, a nice bit. I won't remind the figures, to, to, and it's basically covered the cost of the, of the frame. But and then we had higher rollers out, and people were going out taking turns. Brilliant. So like I said, the umpire came out, and he's in Tullamore, and he never knew how good our ground was. And even living twenty kilometers away, they were actually amazed. And their umpire was from from Strokestown, and they couldn't believe it because they've got and they're grade four umpires. They're just below below um 
international and they couldn't believe the, how good our ground was because they were expected to walk down to like a football they thought to be surface. trouble here yeah. in that respect yeah, yeah you know what I mean and they were, they were, made, they were amazing we had to one or two little little thing, things changed because we, we had the boundary too close to the fence so we'd go and get rope and slightly move it in for safety is one or two little things like that but and that's all that had to be done in the morning we thought we had it perfect but it's all adjustable that yeah. the, the stuff that needed stuff to that be adjusted yeah, it is, like I said it is every evening the players themselves came out and mm. and then what was amazing on the morning the, the day of the game is uh, Glenn Dermot brought down a busload of fans we had to set, we, we'd, we'd set up with chairs benches brought down the owner of the ground brought down two family benches that they got for their when the daughter got married last year and gave it to the club mm. is is um, and things like that and and the atmosphere from from it, and then you got the family members coming out. It sounds it sounds like a stuff. gorgeous atmosphere, Paris. From your perspective, the atmosphere on the day, what was that like? Uh, generally, you know, for all the league matches, you don't have that much spectators. But it was advertised very well across the Athlone that it's a special game for uh, for uh, city, and we were having a lot of people there from different sections of the society in Athlone. Right. A mixed crowd, you can see Indians there, you can see Irish people there, everyone with their umbrellas and with their chairs coming forward and supporting us. So the synergy you feel during the during that point, it's we can't even depict that in words. It's too good and too it's motivating. That it's extra special yeah. and, and, and it, it makes the game feel so much better when you're exactly. involved in it um, and can I just ask uh, for people listening so they can understand um, when when you're playing the game uh, what's your role on the pitch as it were or it's it's just Paris uh, or it's just uh, George with us that's playing yeah. um, in, in, uh, in the first team in the first team yeah, very good but yeah, generally yeah. I can even I can ask Paris you like to play do you oh, yeah. yeah 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 what do you what do you like to do when you're playing uh, specifically I'm, I'm a wicketkeeper opening batsman oh well okay yeah Okay, so good reactions. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, you you have to face the f- first blow when the yeah. as an opener you always get the best bowlers from yeah. the other side and the ball is new, so it swings a lot and you the first blow you have to take. And at many levels, stuff like the ball moving that is yeah. that is still a feature and because exactly. we watch you know the Ashes on yeah. TV and the fast bowlers, yeah. I, I just like I fall away from the television with fear. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but but even so, like at our at our club level. These balls move on the first yeah. first ball. Okay, you can see a movement of quite few inches when you're seeing, and wow. it's go like a whoop. Uh, <laughs> and what kind of speed is the ball going? Uh, I think around one thirty, one thirty-five is very normal when we are playing. <laughs> <laughs> It's good to have the pads. Yeah, it improves your fitness as well. Yeah, his first his first year doing a couple times, he be he'd have to come off after thirty overs. He'd be knackered, but now oh, it can be a tiring after, game, can't it? it? Yeah. But now he's yeah. able to do the forty overs. The first few times he'd done it, he struggled. It's, yeah. it's 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 hard on wicket keeping fitness wise. I would say so. And then a final question, uh, Paris or George, you might tell us. Um, you you were uh, with uh, on the pitch with the team when they won the game. What's your role within that uh, that team that were playing Glen Dermot last weekend? Yeah. See, uh, we we always uh, focus, right? Or more, we know they're the biggest team, one of the national cup. They are very good competitor, and we can say they're a rich rich team. There are many players, international players, are playing, signed players are playing. Yeah. But uh, we are playing for fun. For example, yeah, we can take okay. us. We are playing for the fun. So as for us, first, first, first of all, I can say for thanks for all my team members who's played in the game. Yeah. They put all. They put extremely hundred percent effort in the field. Yeah. Okay. We not seen their opponent, 
but we are fully focused definitely we are going to bring this home so we fully focused and full energy every every second i see the energy in the ground Guys, have, yeah, i sorry. think it's wonderful um yeah. George be captain actually George uh, captain of the team I have ran out of time Uh, Keith thank you for coming in and uh, Paris as well congratulations and we wish Athlone Cricket Club every success in the future Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods in association with the Hearing Consultancy carrying out free hearing tests in Clara Tullamore Kinnegad and in our latest clinic at Mullingar Dental Clinic Martins Lane Mullingar thehearingconsultancy.ie at Midlands 103 and on health and fitness, we like to bring you something a little bit different. Um, what about Bay Sports? I think we should find out. Richie O'Hara is the owner and the managing director of Bay Sports in Athlone, and he's been speaking with our health and fitness reporter, Chloe Farrell. Bay Sports is a water sports centre, and we're located on the shores of Lochry, just outside Athlone. It's also home to Ireland's largest inflatable water park. We offer a variety of activities there, including kayaking and uh, team stand-up paddling and pedal boating and pa- a small passenger boat. But uh, the water park is the big hook, is the big attraction. How did the idea come about for this? Well, uh, I've been in the, the activity business for about four decades and uh, we've been innovating as we've gone along over the years uh, we started off operating in on the west coast in Ackle and then we relocated full time to base sports to Athlone um, in about 2007 although we had been running uh, school tours there at Hudson Bay since uh, 1989 but one of the big things uh, uh, that, that, that I suppose one of the important things about us is uh, we're, we're good innovators we're always looking uh, to introduce new things uh, think up new ideas about what we could do to improve our products. So um, around about 2010-2011 we started to introduce inflatables. The first thing we introduced was an an inflatable trampoline and it uh, evolved from there and eventually a full blown water park was put in place there in 2014 and since then it has evolved. We've changed the slides, we've uh, themed some of them with local and national points of historical interest. Uh, for example, um, we have um, a round tower slide, and uh, th- that that slide we got the uh, we got into the Guinness World Record uh, Book of Records for uh, the tallest inflatable floating slide in the world. That was synonymous. It was called the Round Tower Slide because it, uh, it was uh, synonymous with the monastic activity on Lochry and the River Shannon in the 5th century. And who can attend Bay Sports? Anybody and everybody. At the moment, for example, through May and June, we have uh, our school tour operation. So um, uh, you have that. And then you've got families who come to us through July and August. And uh, we have mums, dads, grannies, granddads, children. Anybody from age six and upwards can go on our main water park. And then we have a junior water park, which caters for two to six-year-olds. How does it work then? Because obviously the summer months are going to be nicer and busier is it shut down for the winter or what happens? It is, yeah. And uh, that's one of the, I suppose, the, the unfortunate things about the tourism business generally. It is seasonal and our business is particularly is seasonal. We open at the beginning of May and we, we close uh, usually around the first or second week in October. The, those months uh, through May through uh, September are the peak months and then it just tapers off itself and we shut down. 
How advanced do people need to be in swimming to attend? Anybody and everybody who comes to base sports, our approaches and our attitudes and our systems, our standard operating procedures are such that uh, as far as we're concerned, nobody can swim a stroke. At base sports. What precautions do we take uh, in, in that respect? Well, our safety equipment includes a wetsuit, a 5 mil wetsuit. They're custom-made wetsuits, and those 5 mil wetsuits on their own provide massive buoyancy to anybody. Um, on top of that, then, they have the buoyancy aid. Without a wetsuit, the buoyancy aid would keep, a, keep people afloat. But there's a double insurance here that uh, people, no matter what their swimming ability is, so we have every confidence then that when... Pe- and, and those items are compulsory. Some people say, no, I'm a very good swimmer and I don't have to wear a wetsuit. Uh, we don't allow anybody on the water without those pieces of safety equipment. So uh, pe- people who may not be as... There are lots of people who are not as confident as other people in the water and uh, that that's that's standard across the board uh, you have very very good people uh, good swimmers and confident people and then you have people even though they might be able to swim may not be as confident so um, yeah we're very cognizant of that and safety is safety comfort and enjoyment have been for years and continue to be the hallmark of our business and aside from the safety aspect with swimming, are there other safety aspects you need to consider with a facility like this? Yeah, it's um, again, uh, we have uh, an array of operating procedures that cover every aspect of what we do at, at Base Sports. And uh, the primary consideration is, is the safety of the participant. And uh, within that realm, uh, there are a whole host of individual items and and uh, things that we implement and uh, and then um, uh, we also it, it, we're also striving that uh, people who come there um, are uh, that they have a pleasant and enjoyable experience and that they're comfortable so that's why we go back to the those three three f- foundation elements safety comfort and enjoyment but we hope that people actually experience that in the reverse order that they're enjoying themselves they're comfortable and yeah they're actually safe uh, for us it's it's the it's the other way around it's safety comfort and enjoyment so yes there's a, a host of measures what would be a typical kind of day out that someone can have at base sports well, uh, people sometimes uh, or quite often come to do the water park only. Firstly, first of all, it's exhilarating. It's very exciting. It's quite unique. And uh, sliding down slides into the water is, you know, it's, it's just a joyful experience and people just love it. And and uh, so, but uh, because of the strenuous nature of that activity, we confine uh, the experience on the water park to one hour because people just literally get physically spun out and uh, and if they're allowed to stay on the water for any longer than that then safety can be compromised so it's confined to an, one hour however they, if when they come off the water and we get lots of people from all over the country because of the central location of Athlone you have people coming from Dublin Cavan Monaghan Carlow Galway Mayo Donegal Sligo um, Tipperary everywhere they like to do another activity so they can go back on the water park having taken a break and go back for another hour uh, or else they can do an additional activity like kayaking or pedal boating and uh, so that spreads out the day for them it makes it worthwhile them travelling to come to base sports So obviously the water park then is quite strenuous if after an hour people need to take a break Yes What would be the general health benefits then to having something like this? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, when any type of exercise is beneficial, so so um, uh, doing and participating in activities of this type 
uh, enhance people uh, their they offer benefits um they, they, they you know in terms of they, they have to exercise they have to push the boundaries out the physical boundaries and the mental boundaries for themselves and for quite a lot of people it's a daunting experience getting into cold water swimming out and uh, and they have to do all of these things uh, they may not swim on a regular basis but you know somebody who swims out say 70 80 meters which allows us to from from the jetty to the water back which allows us to monitor people as they uh, engage in that initial activity to assess their ability and to so that we then in turn can monitor whether they, they these some people require extra perhaps um, advice or are looking out for and and uh, so but uh, but all of going back to your question um it's it's constant it's exercise and the benefits are are they're visible the people are just joyful they're they're satisfied they're exhilarated they're tired and um and you know it's it's a relaxant it takes the mind off the day to day humdrum of things and so there are physical and mental uh, benefits that uh, accrue from from participating in the activities. And my last question that I have to go back to, you mentioned earlier about having a world record. Can you tell me a bit about that? This round tower slide that we got into the Book of World Records in 2018, it's a slide, but on top of the slide is for, for, for typically, it's just exactly like a round tower that you'd see in Clamac Noise. And uh, so the, you climb up the slide and then there's this, it's like a decorative piece, but it's, and it's the same colour, it's a grey colour and uh, they, they, um, that's how we got the world record, and uh, yeah, we're, we're delighted with it, and uh, and we're very pleased with the other slides we have as well. They're, they, they, they bring a lot of fun, a lot of joy to people. Yeah, I think that's um, a great point made uh, on that discussion. That sliding down slides into water is a joyful experience, says Richie O'Hara. He's the owner and the managing director of Bay Sports in Athlone. A big thanks to him and our reporter, Chloe Farrell, who was in conversation with Richie. Uh, A huge thanks as well uh, to our other guests, Mary Leonard of MS Ireland and Linda Keller, who's part of the MS community in, uh, she's from Killy. And then, of course, we had uh, Paris, uh, George and Keith, all from Athlone Cricket Club after they scored their biggest win in their history. And there's nothing better for your sense of health or fitness uh, than having a big win like that. We're off to the newsroom after that. Joe Cooney's back with Country Roads.